You're listening to Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and Ola, everyone. I am Spud Goodman. <laughs> the Spud Man. <sighs> I'm laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> Thank you for joining us uh, for another in-depth autopsy of a past episode. This week, we'll take on the autobiography episode aired on 5715. It features actor, comedian, and podcast host Mark Marin, actor and comedian Tom Arnold, along with musical guest The West. You know, I really like this one. Uh, sure, I, I, you know, could have maybe tried to not get on Mark Marin's nerves so much. Hey, you live and learn, right? And and with Tom Arnold, well, I think we've developed a decent relationship uh, as this was the first time on, and he did, you know, he did agree to come back on the show and you know a few times in the future after this. So yeah, it was a victory. I, I'm taking it that way. So I'll leave it up to the listeners on how this one stacks up with other episodes. Uh, let me now introduce our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Can you give us a, a rousing guffaw, please? Oh, well, I guess. I, I mean, we just started the podcast. It's tough to just drop a guffaw without getting up to speed, you know? I know. Uh, okay, here you go. <laughs> oh, that will just have to do for now. It was fine. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to be so judgmental these days. Oh, thank it was a you. recommendation. Yeah. For my therapist. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And, and now I need to introduce our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Go ahead and say something, but, but please don't drive away whatever listeners we have right now. It, it's going to take time to build a new audience after ending, you know, the radio show. Uh, I'm not sure how many of our old audience, you know, has followed us over to this new podcast. So just tread carefully, please. Uh, a simple hi will do. Spud, it's a new day now. Our producer, Lori, is still with us on this new podcast. Yeah, and yeah. her last email said I was to be given an opportunity to express myself at the beginning of each episode. So l let me do my job here. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Gerald Holcomb, and I, I am. I already said your name. Uh, can you not express yourself without being redundant? <laughs> uh, let, let me finish my opening statement, please. Uh, op opening statement? We yeah. don't have time for that. I can only guess how many people have already switched over to like more popular shows. You know, like that one podcast that talks about witches, or or, or that one that that calls out you know which celebrity is the worst tipper. That one's really popular. I've, I've just seen the downloads on that one. Jeez. Huh. But anyway, right now, let, let me introduce our, our intern, Chance, as people do like him. Or at least that's what I've you know been told by our illustrious executive producer. Uh, Chance, you're up. Well, it's about time. Why do you waste so much time babbling on about that dumb stuff? Just get this thing going. I have plans for later, so let's just pick up the pace, okay? Fine, fine. D don't you want to say anything? Uh, maybe later. Okay, all right. Uh, we'll start this autopsy of the autobiography episode right now. Dave, cue up the first part of it, if you would. Nobody's into the hard sell. All right, right, right. Got it. So, uh, listen, do you want to share the exciting news right now, or do you want to wait until the end of the show? You know, I don't, I don't know. I, 
I mean, there's there's really not much to announce really right now, but oh, no. I am pretty pumped about it. Yeah. Okay, and, and you know they said I could talk about it anyway. So what? What the hell? Um, I just signed a deal to write my autobiography. An autobiography is a written account of the life of a person, written by that person. Unlike a memoir, an autobiography includes the historical and social context of the subject's life. <laughs> yep, it, it came out of the blue. Uh, that's for sure. I got this email from a company back east last week saying they thought I should consider telling the world about my life story. They're, you know, they they're actually interested in putting out a book. That is so cool. You know, to have a book about your life. Wow. Well, I'm not gonna lie. It surprised me as I'm not dead or at that point in my life where I thought I had accumulated enough interesting stories to right. fill up a whole book. You know, maybe a chapter or two. But the earliest surviving autobiography is by Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius, written in 175 A.D. The Persian philosopher Abu Amid Muhammad ibn Muhammad al-Ghazali wrote his autobiography in the 11th century. They convinced yeah. me that if I just, you know, take some time, let the memories of my life to this point wash over me, the book's going to write itself. Well, are, are they, you can't are, prevent everything. Are they bringing in a ghostwriter? Uh, who's going to write the actual book? It's an autobiography. Oh. Uh, I'm going to write it. What, you don't think I can spell? Well, they told me the final manuscript would be reviewed, of course, yeah. before it goes to print, but yeah. I have final approval on the finished copy because I never would have signed the deal without that. I Hell mean, no, you haven't! That's right, because who, I mean, who wants to you know, have someone jump in at the last second and retell portions of their life? Well, okay, is it going to be a tell-all book, like where you reveal everything about your personal life? Giacomo Casanova's autobiography was published posthumously in 1826. Because well, that can be risky. I, I'm not going to go into detail about my masturbatory habits as a teenager, if that's, no, that's what you're asking. No, There's going to be a few areas that are off limits. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, look, okay, I'm not... It's a tough call because we kind of went back and forth on this thing. I'm not going to totally airbrush my life because it's going to, I think, it, I feel it's going to be an honest, almost totally honest story of my life because I don't, I can't be like 100% honest because, no. I mean, re readers would throw up. I mean, some things have to be left unsaid. No. Just a couple things. I, I understand that. It, and then let me tell you, if and when I'm approached to write my own autobiography, it will be a challenge to pull the curtain all the way back because, you, listen, nobody's going to buy a book. I, I don't really think they hand out book deals to temporary radio co-hosts. You know, I'm just saying. Oh, no, no. This is not my final stop in the radio business, but as I told my wife, my role right now on this show is like being a teenager and I got my first job at McDonald's, you know. Very soon, I'll be moving up in the industry and I'll start living a life that will support a big, thick, hardbound book. That's my plan. Well, good luck with that, all right? But right now, I need to play some music. Yet you still are here as a temporary co-host on a little podcast. I think the odds of you writing some big hardbound autobiography about your career are about the same as me dating Madonna. Pre-plastic surgery Madonna or post-plastic surgery? Uh, maybe I should have gone with Julia Roberts. Who? Uh, are you serious, Chance? You don't know who Julia Roberts is? I may have heard her name before. No, I don't think my sweetie Chance is familiar with Julia Roberts' work. He's not big on rom-coms. Uh, good to know. So let's move on to my interview with Mark Marin. And uh, you know, as I alluded to earlier, uh, I don't think he liked me very much. You know, when the interview was over, as he was hanging up, I heard him yell at one of his people. You know, like and this is—I think that what I heard him say was, "Who the hell was that guy?" Uh, and at the time, I took it as a compliment. Uh, you know, thinking I'd stood out from all the other boring talk show hosts he had to do interviews with, but 
looking back now, I, I'm pretty sure I, you know, I misinterpreted his curiosity of who I was. Like, maybe, you know, take my name down and make sure we don't go on his show again. I, I'm just guessing here, but I'll never know for sure until I ask him directly. Uh, you know, if his people would ever let me get through to him. Yeah. As I remember that interview, uh, I'm confident he did not like you much, Spud. Yeah, whatever. Dave, run the interview. Please welcome writer, comedian, actor, producer, director, podcast host, former talk radio host, and yes, composer, Mark Marin. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, buddy. I, you, you threw composer on there. I, I, I appreciate that. Do you have evidence that I'm a composer? I do. Uh, James Lipton has had a major impact on my career. I do my research. And uh, Caesar Salad, film short, 1990, yes, no, what, maybe? Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, I got a credit as a composer on Louis's first movie because I did. That's right. Yes, I, I did. There you uh, go. I did some music for that for that film. Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right. Well, you know that might be though the longest intro in my twenty-some year career because you, sir, are a true Renaissance man. Though I have no clue what that really means. It sounds kind of accurate with you. Sure. I think uh, it just means I do a lot of things. Uh, hopefully, I do most of them well. Oh. Uh, I, I, I would not say that I, I am a, a, a uh, experienced composer, but uh, the other stuff I can I can vouch for myself. Uh, you yep. know, comedy, podcasting, writing. Yeah, I I, I can I can uh, accept that. I think a Renaissance man just is someone who does a lot of things. Yeah, as opposed to a jack of all trades, a master of none. A Renaissance man is someone who masters uh, the things that he does. Yeah, it's well stated. Um, all right, uh, but you do pl plead guilty to most of that. So let's do, let's get into this. The new season of your excellent show, Marin, on IFC, is about to start season three on May fourteenth at ten p.m. I've seen the first two seasons, and I must say, you're a bit brutal on yourself, which of course we all enjoy. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know, that's just uh, that that's what goes on inside of me. The first two seasons I, I love, and this new season is amazing. Uh, you know, we really sort of nailed. A lot of great stories, a lot of great comedy. There's a lot of, you know, everybody was a little more comfortable with the process. Uh, uh, it, it was fun. It was, a, it was a little easier. And, you know, and I think people are going to be sort of uh, surprised and excited by, you know, by what happens this season. Super. Um, well, Mark, when you perform stand-up, uh, your audience doesn't exactly get an airbrushed version of your life. You pretty much lay it all out there. Do, do you often hear a voice in your head on stage at the end of an hour saying, our time is up, and asking if you want to schedule your next appointment for the same time the following week? No, I don't, I don't really buy that you don't? analogy. Right. I don't really see... No, I, I, I just don't, I don't see comedy as therapy. I mean, you know, what I do up there... Uh, in terms of, you know, by the time people are going to see it and by the time people in Seattle are going to see it, are, mm -hmm. you know, are things that I've, I've, I've created and, and worked through. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know where the laughs are. You know, I'm a stand-up comic. I, I just don't like, in general, the idea that comedians are just using audiences for therapy. The, the truth of the matter is it's a collective experience. Right. And the people that are coming to see me ex expect a certain thing. And maybe it's therapy for them as well. I just, I, I think that that... That, that idea that, that comics are just, you know, these kind of, you know, complaining, you know, whining entities that are just dragging an audience through their problems is, is, uh, is short-sighted. But I appreciate what you're saying. No, well, I guess I was transferring my own personal perspective. Um, 
Well, you're a well-known cat lover, so my question is this. Could you coexist well with a dog lover like myself, like if we were neighbors? Could we find common ground, or would it be like a, a Shia Sunni deal? Uh, it certainly wouldn't be that bad. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to... I'm not going to come over and behead you because of your dog. Good or to know. Your dog. All right. Um, the uh, the 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 uh, no. I you know I grew up with dogs. I mean you know surrounded by the dogs most of my life. My neighbor has dogs. Uh, the one on, on the uh, the one side of me and the other guy's had a cat. I, I got no beef with dogs. I mean, even on the podcast, sometimes you can hear his dog. He makes an appearance sometimes. Right. Well, I feel I could overcome my entrenched belief system and learn to love cats, you know, under the right circumstances, like if you threw some decent barbecues or something. So, I mean, I'm open to it, so I just want to throw that out. But, all right. Um, so, well, yeah, I mean, well, you know, I mean, cats are not going to, they're not that demanding. So Good you point. Know, you know, they, they don't have the same expectations. Good I think point. that's one reason people have a hard time with cats is they don't really care uh, whether you care about them or not. Um, yeah, not like uh, relationships with uh, actual people. That's a good, yeah. There's a lot to say for cats, actually, now that you put it that way. Um, well, you've charted a course only a few human beings have been able to successfully navigate with your uh, WTF podcast. I, I told Adam Carolla when he was on, he was like the 21st century William Randolph Hearst with his empire, with a caveat that maybe he had a few more friends than Hearst. But I guess with your success, it'd make you like a web-based version of Elvis. How many listeners do you have each week on your podcast? I don't know. I think it's up around you know three hundred, four hundred thousand per episode. My God. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I, I I think that um, <laughs> you know we we're all just sort of you know kind of you know finding our way in a new medium, and, and it's very exciting that that uh, you know we can do this on our own terms. It's, it, it's one of the yeah. I never thought that that I would you know have my own business or or, or that things would really work out necessarily, but. Um, uh, but you know they have, and, and the podcast is uh, is, a, is a real. Uh, it's a, it's amazing. It's a very short walk to work. And I just go out into my garage. So you, you know what could be bad about that? Absolutely. Well, so the majority of your podcasts are actually are recorded in your garage. Do you still keep like old newspapers, camping gear, and assorted Costco crap like most of us do? Is it more like Abbey Road right now? Have you remodeled it or what? No, it's not really remodeled. It's always been sort of, I put a floor in it years ago before the podcast. And it's just really like where all my stuff is, you know, all my books and all my, uh, my, my stuff, um, is all in here. Uh, so, so like my entire life, all my pictures, it's, it's sort of like becomes this kind of weird museum, a very cluttered museum of me. Are you a bit of a hoarder or do you, uh, do you, uh, get rid of stuff on a regular basis just to keep space? Uh, I don't know if I'm a hoarder. I mean, you know, I do question why I'm holding on to something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, anything in particular yeah. that maybe I, nobody else would get? Well, just there's a lot of books that I have that I'm like wondering why I'm so invested in it. You know, there's a lot of bits of of of, of you know hats and stuff like that where I'm like, why am I keeping that? You know, you're just getting used to things. Right. Right. You know what I mean? I can't throw anything away, so I was just I was just curious. But I don't I don't uh, record in my garage, which would be really I, I just love the concept. So, but I guess space would be my only issue. It wouldn't probably work in my life, but because I can't throw anything away. But, um, well, 
I'd have to side with Mark on the cat-dog issue you asked about. I, I know the wife and I love our two cats, Marcy and Jasper. They meet me at the door when I come home at night. Look, look, that's nice, but I don't remember asking for your input. Please don't interrupt me right now. I need to finish up this interview as I think I'm kind of getting on Mark's nerves here, and that's the last thing I want. I know you're a big fan of his. It's possible you might be mistaken. Most of the big stars you've had on this program seem to tolerate you, except for maybe Donald Trump. You know, he seemed like you had cooties or something. Yeah, I know. Well, I wish I could start this whole thing over again, but it's too late now. But you know, maybe I'm wrong here. It's possible he actually sort of likes me. You can hope. Okay, just keep it quiet and let me do my job here. Um. Mark, what's been your most memorable moment away from showbiz? Cliche, yes, but you know, with you people would be interested in knowing if you, on the side, maybe had a, 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 a another life as a part-time private eye or do something interesting. Is, is there anything else you do besides? I mean, you're working 24/7 every day of the week, so I'm just curious. Is there anything, any other interests? Um, I uh, yeah, man. I you know I love to play guitar, and you know, occasionally I get an opportunity to play with some guys, you know, out uh, at at a, at a bar. Uh, you know, for a show that Brendan Small does. And, you know, I, I really like to do that. I'd like to do more of that. Okay. Mark, um, you also has an awesome book that is still available at all bookstores, Attempting Normal, and, of course, Season 3 of Marin, which is now, as I stated, starting up on May 14th at 10 p.m. All right, man, we, uh, I'd like to thank you very much for taking the time to visit with us. Thanks a lot, man. Good talking to you. All right, Mr. Mark Marin. You're definitely right, Spud. You did get on Mark Marin's nerves. I don't think he totally hated you after the interview, but I doubt he's going to do your little podcast these days. Oh, I would agree with my amazingly perceptive sweetie chance. No way Mark or his people would ever return a call to do your show again. Yeah, okay, fine. I'll have to live with that. Not much I can do now. I probably shouldn't have brought up anything to do with cats. And as he, he's a known, real, you know, a very well-known big, he's a cat lover, okay? And uh, I should have been more careful with going there. Yeah, uh, whatever. All right, well, next up, we have our interview with the musical guest on that episode, The West. They, they were very nice people and a good band, too. Uh, someone roll the segment. All right, musical guest interview time. Please say hello to our musical guest, The West. Hey, hey guys, I don't have a program, so could, could you guys like please identify yourselves and your instrument of choice? Yeah, my name's Anthony. I play the keyboard. I'm Adrian. I play keyboards and sing backup vocals. I'm John. I play the bass and sing backup. I'm Reed. I play guitar. And I'm Bob. I play drums. Hey, Bob. All right, super. Uh, who's the birthday boy, by the way? That's our bass player, John. All right. Have a safe and sane one, all right? <laughs> at least when you get out of here, at least. All right. Um, so you guys started in 2011, and you've toured uh, quite a bit. You did South by Southwest last month in addition to other stops along the way. How tough was it for you guys to find a motel room uh, within 50 miles of Austin? We, we actually stayed with one of Adrian's ex-coworkers. We didn't even try to look for a motel. <laughs> yeah, here it was. Yeah, the ex, yeah very difficult. Um which band member gets the crankiest when they get hungry on the road? That's my weak spot as a car traveler. I must have adequate snack foods at all times. Funyuns are a must. Uh, that's our guitar player, Reed. Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, how cranky does he? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think the best way to describe it is that he just gets angry about driving and about where we are. It doesn't matter if you're in San Francisco or Temple, Texas. Everywhere is terrible and no one should live there. So it's just, why? Why would anyone live here? God. 
my kind of guy. Super. Well, maybe I should. Can, I, can we exchange numbers after we're done here? Um, is is there anybody in the band that gets like homesick after a few hundred miles or so and wants to turn around the van and go back home again? Because I guess again, that's something. That's kind of what I've. I can relate to that. Um, I think that might be me. I really like to take showers, and on the tour, you don't get the opportunity to take a shower ever. <laughs> maybe every three days, so you get a little smelly, and that's the one thing I miss about my house. I see. All right. Well, enough about my own deal because this is about you. So, hey, what are the long-term goals of the West? Where do you guys see yourselves in the next 24 to 36 months? It won't be playing on Letterman. It's very sad to say. I'm very, very bummed. But maybe on Colbert's show. What do you guys want to do down the road? Uh, We're going to put out another EP. Um, We hope to start opening for a few more national acts is one of our goals. Mm -hmm. Um, Plan a few festivals in the coming year and book in some local Seattle shows. Super. All right. What's the name of the first song you're going to do? This one's called Never the Place. All right. Okay, coming up next is a conversation with my mother. Uh, may she rest in peace. 
Um, you know, playing these old segments with her make me both sad and happy as she kind of lives on with us, do, you know, doing this look back at old episodes, you know, that, that kind of thing. It's, uh, and I, I, I'll be, I'll be honest. I've teared up a few times, uh, listening to the, yeah. Anyway, as much as I've complained about her always calling into the show to get airtime over the years, I, I really do miss those calls right now. Well, that is perfectly normal, Spud. I miss her, too, so much. Yeah. I know I would at times get aggravated at my, mo- at my own mother always calling me on Sunday evening each week, asking what I was planning on wearing to work the next day, and always overstressing the need to wear clean underwear. You know, in case I was taken to the hospital for some reason. And, oh, yeah, what was I packing for lunch? Oh, I, too, really miss those calls now. Once we do get married, Dorothy, and I move into your place, I think my mom will be calling me a lot, too. She said she's worried I'll starve to death without her cooking for me. I told her you make a great seven-bean salad. I even gave her a taste as you'd given me some to take home a few weeks ago, but she wasn't impressed. She's a tough judge when it comes to my dietary needs. Well, I've been planning to invite your parents over to dinner soon, and hopefully I'll put to rest her concerns. Uh, You said your dad loves sloppy joes, right? Yeah, he eats like three or four of them when my mom cooks. Maybe you shouldn't make them too tasty as it might threaten my mom. She's easily treasured when it comes to her cooking. Okay. Anyway, I think on this one, my mom jumps into the conversation about me, you know, writing my autobiography. Dave hit it. Oh, uh, Spud, your mom is holding. You want to take this, right? Uh, Like I have any choice? You know, our illustrious executive producer said she has some listener research that says my mom is the most popular part of this program. Really? Yes, it's depressing to hear that. If I could use the current number two go-to cliche out there... It is what it is. Uh, all right, so uh, you put her through? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mom, you there? Bud, I've been thinking about this book deal you have now. It is concerning me. Just what are you going to reveal in it? I certainly hope you won't go into detail about me and your father's experimental stage, if you will. That would not be appropriate. All right, you know, I sort of forgot about that, Mom. Um... You know, Sophia and I uh, really only knew things were kind of weird around the house, you know, on some weekends, but we couldn't, you know, I don't, we couldn't figure it out. We, we never really saw much go down in the house. It was mostly just unattractive people waking up. Well, it was the early 70s, and people were open to a lot of different things. Your father and I did our best to keep it from you and your sister. Well, all I actually remember clearly was a lot of semi-naked people crashed on the couches on like mostly Sunday mornings huh. and actually mostly overweight guys with gross mustaches. Hey, where, where were the women, by the way? I was always going to ask you that. Well, I'm not going to into, go into detail about that, okay? I think it's great. You got this book deal, bro. You I, deserve yeah, it. I got the book oh, deal. No. Maybe you will get booked on Jay Leno's show to promote it. Mom, Jay Leno isn't on the air anymore. Oh, that's sad. Did he die? Well, not that I know of. I guess I could Google it. 
Um, hey, can can I come over this weekend and pick up what we talked about a couple days ago? Oh, that. Well, I will need to get a ride to the bank. You know, I don't like to use the bus with a lot of money in my purse. Well, it's no problem. I can drive you to the bank. Uh, Mrs. Goodman, it sounds like you have lived a rich life. Uh, have you ever given any thought to writing your own autobiography? It sounds like you have a treasure trove of interesting stories. Is that that carpet salesman again? Yeah. You know I don't care for him. That's him. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I am employed at South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. So, you know, if you ever do need flooring for your house, I'd be glad to help you. We, Look, we really, ha- really? Come uh-huh. on. Hey, hey, so, Mom, I'm going to call you about going to the bank, but i got to get going here right now. Oh, do you want me to bake you another batch of my snickerdoodles? No, Mom, I, I think I have... Uh, Plenty left from the triple batch you just gave me, uh, like it was the last week. I love snickerdoodles, Mrs. Goodman. Love you, honey. Toodles. Yeah, bye, Mom. Love you, too. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, Spud. I guess we're going to uh, get back to the conversation about me writing the book. You know, I guess that's what we're going to do now. So, yeah. Well, I wasn't around on this episode, but how serious were you about doing this? I mean, do you even read books, Spud? I've never seen you with a book ever. I read books. Well, the family always knew to never buy Spud books. He never had the attention span to sit and read growing up and still to this day. <laughs> That's not true. I own books, okay? Yes, I've, I've had to deal with a, a bit of ADHD over the years, but I, you know, I enjoy reading a book. Oh, Spud, a good book. you you wouldn't even sit still long enough as a toddler when your parents tried to read you children's books before bed. Your mom told me, and she said you would start throwing pillows at her whenever she tried to read bedtime stories. I don't remember that, Aunt Dorothy. It could be fake news. Uh, it's all fake news. Uh, let's just run the segment, please. But I, I was thinking during the band segment, what guests are you going to write about in your book? I, I mean, you've interviewed hundreds of major celebrities over some 20 years on cable TV and, and now on yes, the radio. Are true. you going to tell all or did they advise you to be careful when writing about famous people because they have an army of attorneys ready to attack on you know, command? They haven't said anything about what I can or can't say. It's up to me. Of course, I'm going to write about some of my guests over the years. I'm a talk show host, and I interview people. What, I'm going to write a cookbook? I ask, you know, famous people stuff. It's not a complicated job. And, yeah, I do have a list of some guests who I think will be in the book for sure. Seriously. Benjamin Franklin wrote his autobiography in 1791. Two members of the Monkees, Davy Jones and Mickey Dolenz, published their autobiographies in 1986 and 1993 i have some decent stuff to reveal but you know i don't know Uh, listen i gotta warn you to be careful here on what you reveal on air you don't want to give up something juicy that they can use to promote the book save it right yeah you know you know i never did plan on ever telling most of the things that happened with certain guests but i guess with this book it's now or never there are all kinds of perversions you know, I would be willing to read your first rough draft of the manuscript and give you some feedback no, if you wh- want. Why to. would I reveal those sordid tales to you? 
the guy with the biggest mouth around. No way you could keep a secret. That would be totally stupid. Look, I understand in the past I've been a little lax with keeping some things confidential. A little. But I swear, if you let me read through the rough draft, I'll never utter a word to Uh, anyone. including your wife, who seems to document every aspect of her and your family's life on Facebook? Uh, I'm surprised I didn't read on her page today that you had a little indigestion last night or forgot to let the dog out so his accident was all your fault. Stuff like that 24-7 can wear out a Facebook friend. Yeah, I, I know Rachel does like to share our lives online. Yeah, yeah. I, I must say it's been getting worse. Last Saturday, she wanted to post a pic of our youngest finger p- painting of Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. I'll tell you, he turns out maybe 10 or 15 of them a day. And between you and me, the kid's horrible in art, but my wife thinks he's got potential. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah I was going to say something about all those finger painting posts. Right. I thought about unfriending her, but I still don't get Facebook and, and know if people can, for you know, for sure if they can find out when someone unfriends them. You know, I don't want her to, uh, like, unleash a jihad against me online. No, 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 I hear you. Uh, you know, my Facebook page is filled with Rachel's posts only. I have, like, 17 friends. Uh, she has to approve the friend requests I get and her criteria for acceptance. It's pretty darn tough, especially if it's for a woman under age 65. So she thinks older women over 65 are safe? Boy, is she off on that one. They are the most aggressive chicks out there. Well, I was thinking that too because 15 out of my 17 Facebook friends are widows, mostly in their 70s. And for some reason, Rachel doesn't read the messages I get. I I guess she thinks these women are harmless, but I can tell you there are... Yeah, okay. Can we change the subject here and get get back to talking about me and my book? Your book, yeah. I was told that every mention of it on the air is worth like thousands of dollars in free advertising. William Shatner has written seven books based on his life's experiences. Well, that makes sense. Uh, Do you have a working title? It got a bit off topic discussing your joint Facebook page with your wife, dude. I mean, I've noticed that she isn't posting that much about your kids these days, mostly about her ceramic work. She seems to crank out a lot of that stuff. Is she still taking classes on it? Because I would think you would have already run out of space at your place for the, for let's just call it stuff. Uh, uh, has she forgotten about the kids? Because she looks like, I mean, she supposedly looks out for them, right? I mean, Yo, she's gone still the fully focused on being a mother. But yes, she's all in on her ceramics classwork. Okay. And by the way, Spud, if you ever need a nice vase or ashtray, let us know, you, you know, for a Christmas or a birthday. You know, I've seen a lot of her uh, work or whatever you yeah. want to call it, uh, and there are a lot of ashtrays posted on her, on the Facebook uh, thing. Uh, you guys don't smoke. For sure you don't. Well, what's up with that? Well, I just think Rachel is enamored with the shape of an ashtray. Uh, we do have quite a few available if anyone listening now would like one for free. Uh, just take care of the postage. All right, all right. Moving on to our, our next guest interview. It's with actor-comedian Tom Arnold. As I said previously, this is Tom's first time on our show. He, he later came on a bunch of times. As I think, I thought, you know, I think we've gotten along fairly well over over the years. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't know for sure. You know, he he you know, maybe he does actually hit my guts. Uh, but if if so, then he's a really really good. Uh, at faking people out. I don't, I don't know. I mean, he faked me out then. I'm going to go with the, that he actually likes me a lot. How about that? So, yeah, so, so we touched on a lot of basic stuff, nothing, you know, too earth shattering. But the thing is with Tom, 
He is one of the least boring guests a talk show host can interview. He has so many interesting stories. Well, and I am a very big fan of his ex-wife, Roseanne. She is highly misunderstood, I think. Uh, really, a great thinker who was canceled just for speaking her mind. Oh, no worries about Roseanne, Gerald. She landed in her happy place now. She has a show on that Fox Nation streaming service. Yeah. Now she can rant on and on about anything, and no one will care. Wasn't she the lady who talked about Jewish space lasers? No, that was Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, I think Roseanne is her role model, though, And you know when you think about it. Now, don't go criticizing Marjorie again, Spud. She is a true patriot who wants what's best for this country. What's best for this country? This country or Russia? Someone run some of the Tom Arnold interview, please. Jeez. Please say hello to actor and comedian Tom Arnold. We appreciate you calling in tonight, Tom. Buddy. Yeah. What's happening? What's happening, man? A little bit of this, a little bit of that. So uh, let me let me let me say this. In between films, you are out on the road doing some stand-up dates. Uh, you know, it's fun. I get to kind of pick and choose what comedy places I go to. Uh, I'm lucky uh, right. so far. Right. So it'll be fun. Super. Well, you know, I want to start this off by saying you belong in the talk show guest hall of fame, in my opinion. You always say what's on your mind, and having been in this business for more than a few years, that's not always the norm, because you know, a lot of guests need, like, softballs served right down the middle, but you, Tom Arnold, are fearless. So I think you deserve some kind of honor. It's good talk show hosts are a national treasure. Well, that's very kind of you. You know, uh, uh, one, of, one of my heroes, David Letterman, is retiring, and yes. you know, I kind of I did an interview. Had me uh, talk to a couple of people about what that meant to me. And early on, I realized in the '80s when I started going on shows, you know, if there's jokes to be made about me or about my life or comments, I want to be the ones making them. And so I, I think I felt like you know, part of my comedy is being honest. And you know, a lot of great comics have great to uh, Seinfeld. He does you know topical stuff, but I feel like. You know, once you start being honest about your life, the good, the bad, the whatever, you know, you kind of, you know, they're... Right. Well, you know, you've led a fascinating life, to say the least, to this point. You wrote about it in your uh, autobiography in 2003 titled, How I Lost Five Pounds in Six Years. But you must have a lot more chapters now sitting there on the hard drive in your brain since back then. Well, I do. Uh, number one, I'm married to a different woman, and yes. I had a child since then. That book was always, you know, I thought, well, what would I say to my future child, you know, because I was in the process of trying to make that happen, and, and uh, you know, sort of wrote that book like that, and then two years ago, uh, I finally had my, my first child, and so blessed and happy, and, and uh, things are different, and so, you know, I probably will write another book, and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, hopefully people read it, <laughs> but it was, I have to say, writing a book was, was great, because you just got to kind of do it, and, you know, everybody talks about writing a book, but there's a point where you have to sit down and write the book, and so... It also helped me because I was getting back into doing stand-up, and it helped me sort of formulate stuff, and, you know, it's about formulating your stories, and it was great. It was a great experience. Well, you know, I myself am contemplating writing an autobiography about my life because I had an offer from a publisher, but the work is, the, you know, I'm not really into work because I kind of get distracted easy with, like, Sports Center or Internet porn, right. so how, how hard was it? Well, you know, I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't distracted by Internet porn then. They do have that free porn thing now that I'm 
paying more attention to. <laughs> you know, there, there's a thing called, if you, if you Google free porn, it, this thing comes up. And whatever, I know it's disgusting, I'm 56 years old. But, you know, sports hey. is always, I mean, I'm a huge, huge sports fan. I am, you know, that is my drug of choice, sports. You know, that is, I enjoy it. I, it takes me out of my my head. It's, uh, you know, I root for, for people that are better, greater than me. And I think it's, you know, something I want to teach my son is, you know, in life's a lot better if you find reasons to root for people instead of against them. And so, you know, we have our teams, and my my son is, uh, for a kid that's uh, two years old, he's very athletic, and we play a lot, and cool. I need to I need to continue that as long as I can because I'm 56 years old. Uh, you're in your prime. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, yes, um, yes. Well, Tom, you've been quite active in helping many in the recovery process from substance right. abuse over the years, but at times you've risked your own safety because you've been in some hairy situations, correct? Well, you know, I, the, the one thing I know for sure that always makes me feel good about myself, it's very selfish, but, you know, being of service to other people, I think when you're, uh, you, you know, we all have that opportunity no matter what, and, and sometimes when you are well-known or whatever, you get different opportunities, but, you know, my, uh, the thing that has kept me alive is reaching out to other people who are, you know, and, and, what, and if you're an addict in recovery or an alcoholic or whatever your situation is, you know, you, you seem to have a little more compassion for, you know, you can't be judgmental. Let's put it that way. I right. can't judge other people. And, you know, a lot of times people, especially with the young people that I work with, their parents are so freaked out because they don't understand how this kid's can think, oh, I want to do drugs or I want to. That doesn't make sense to the parent, how that's hard to just stop that. And But it makes sense to me. And, and uh, unless you're one of us, you don't quite understand it. But, you know, yes, I've done some uh, interventions uh, that are <laughs> very hairy. And, uh, you know, the thing about an intervention is there's a healthy way to do it. There's a professional way to do it. And then if, if, if people reject that, there have been times where I've broken into people's houses and drugged them to rehab. And I will say this. I know it's against the law. I know it's not part of the 12-step thing. But they have always lived. They, 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 you know, it's always been people that were on death's door. And their families are devastated. And I say, give me the key to their house. Give me the clicker. Nobody can go with me. It's going to be fast and furious. I take my little bat. It's, uh, you know, they're always surprised. And they always go to rehab. Now, I'm not saying it works forever. But this weekend, whenever I show up or whatever, day they are not going to die <laughs> that's for sure and so you know that's a a little thing that i do and it also reminds me of who i am and what i am capable of i you know i could easily be me in there and you know that's why the great thing about being of service we all do it and it just kind of takes us out of our own crazy head and, and uh, lets us be compassionate yeah but not a whole lot of people in your position in life uh, are willing to take that kind of risk i just uh you know i wanted to throw that out i know you don't really like, try to publicize it but i, I for right. I've heard it's yeah that is an as another book on you know itself so anyway um yeah well maybe I'll do it maybe I'll maybe I'll I'm working on a show about a guy that does that and uh maybe next year you'll see that show hey spud Tom Arnold is always such a great guest on talk shows he's so frank about look can this wait until after I'm done here I am just starting to get a rhythm going in this interview and you feel the need to jump in now well, I know, but you know how tough it is for me to just sit here and say nothing? I get excited with some guests. Are you sure it wouldn't be okay for me to ask Tom a real quick No, I'm, I'm sure. Well, you know, you and I both have had some difficulty with marriage in the past, so what's right. the one tip that you could give our male listeners out there that would prevent them from also going through hell? Uh, jeez. Listen, you know what? When you get, you're going to go through hell. 
you know, you spoke about your career, and I got to ask you this. You've done a number of major mainstream films, but I have also really enjoyed you in some of the smaller independent dramas like Gardens of the Night, April Showers, and Good Dick. You're not afraid to take on roles that some other comedic actors might shy away from. And you got a new independent film that's out like right now titled Any Day. Are you, are you happy with the film? Well, I mean, I, I got it was an opportunity to work with a guy named Sean Bean, who's a British actor, who's I think he was on Game of Thrones the first year, and he's been right. the bad guy in a Bond. I mean, I, I just like his, you know, sometimes like a, with British actors like Steve Coogan, I got to work with him. I think he's a genius. Yes. I, obviously, I worked with Hugh Grant. I, you know, that I, I go into something. I say, what can I learn from this? I like the character I play in this, and it. I like this character, and I like the story, and Eva Longoria is great, and, and Kate Walsh, but both, But I wanted to say, what can I learn from working with this guy that might make me a little better? Well, you must never sleep, because you also have a new series out on Yahoo, Sin City Saints, about I do. a pro basketball team in Vegas. Like, it's available, what now? It's up on Yahoo screen right now, all eight episodes? Right, I did not sleep when we were filming that because we filmed it in Vegas and we lived at the Caesar's Palace and we filmed at the Orleans and it was a lot. It was a lot of Vegas for two months. It was twenty-four-seven. It was, Mullen Ackerman is great. She plays the the person from the league that comes in to to get things organized. A guy named Andrew Santino who's so funny. I wasn't really familiar with him. He's really the star of the show. He's a young comic, uh, and he's a he plays a guy that's a billionaire that is the, from the tech world that decides he wants to buy a professional. Basketball. Team, which is what I would do, but he's he's not the kind of guy that wants to play on the team with the guys. He's the guy that kind of guy that wants to be the mascot, and you know it's a lot of fun. We work with a lot of great people. You know, even though it's on Yahoo, I thought, oh, they're good. This will be easy to shoot because we won't need so many cameras. But you know, we shot it. Uh, Brian Gordon directed it, who did Curb Your Enthusiasm, and it oh. shot it just like a regular show, and Super. it was like it looks really good. So check it out, and it's free. Wow. That's what I keep telling people. I'm it's checking free. it out this it out. weekend because I'm a major hoop fan. Thank I'm you. on that. Um, you did two episodes of Sons of Anarchy. So are you the real deal breaker? Do you ride much with Arnold still or at all? Or I, I did uh, four episodes. I four. think I, it was Same. over two years. Okay. Uh, yeah, we ride bikes. We uh, I always have road ridden motorcycles. We ride uh, uh, when we can down PCH out here, and uh, it's a lot of fun. I love being. I love riding motorcycles with with Arnold or whoever because. You know, it's a time when you really have to hyper-focus on what you're doing, and you can't really think about other stuff, and you got the wind hitting you, and it's, uh, it's something that uh, takes me out of my head again. Anything that takes me out of my head is good, and uh, and it's a lot of fun. So, uh, that yeah, Arnold, I like it. Arnold kind of strikes me as the kind of guy who would, like, peel out and leave you in the dust. I bet he has, like, a state-of-the-art Harley with nitro fuel injection or something where he could do, like, 250 or something. Well, he does have a bunch of incredibly nice weird yes. stuff but but and he will leave you if, if you go if you break his schedule you know he's on a schedule he'll leave you his plane will take off and leave you I've, I've learned that lesson but yeah he's a great guy we really really appreciate you checking in with us thank you okay i really appreciate it and thank you very much buddy the one and the only mr tom arnold thank you spud you know, being best buds with Arnold Schwarzenegger would be cool, but it's, it's never fun to be out with a friend that everyone pays attention to and you're sort of invisible. You know, it hasn't happened much to me, but the few times it has, well, you know, I made sure I only saw those friends in private situations where I wouldn't be, you know, ignored by others. Oh, you've always been jealous of others that get more attention than you, Spud, even family members. 
that's not totally true. I mean, sometimes it's, I can handle, you know, not getting top billing in social settings. Uh, it's kind of true. Well, like I do attend weddings of some friends, you know, knowing full well I will not be the focus of the event. Okay. You know, I've learned to handle assuming a lower profile when necessary. That's good to hear is I was a bit concerned how you'll behave at Dorothy and I's upcoming wedding. It's not always about you, Spud. I know that chance. Not all the time, but preferably most of the time. Yeah, someday when my kids have their weddings, you will be invited, Spud, and I know you will act appropriately, right? I mean, sure, I guess, but that hopefully that's way in the future. Uh, you know, I'm not really big on the wedding thing, so, uh, you know, I mean, what, your oldest is, what, 17 right now? So, anyway, l- let's check out the ending of this episode. As I remember, the hard, cold truth of the whole book deal uh, became quite clear. Uh, roll it. You know, I guess I'd better start at least working on a title, you know, now for my book. I don't yeah. want to go the lame route and call it The Life and Times of Spud Goodman. The autobiography of abolitionist Frederick Douglass, titled The Life and Times of Frederick Douglass, was published in 1881. You know, no, I, I need something snappier that conveys the essence of my life and my work as a talk show host. Yeah, and, and don't forget the cover of the book. Your publishing company may have their own suggestions, but I vote you use a photo from... Oh, maybe 15 years ago. You had decent hair back then, and you didn't always have to wear that no, baseball cap. Well, my hair's a little weak now, but it's not horrible, totally horrible. No. I, I don't have to wear baseball hats all the time. Sometimes I take them off, you know, mostly later when I'm getting ready for bed. Well, Spud, what are you going to do with all the money you're going to make on this? I'm afraid you may retire after they give you your big advance. No, no, no. I read Lena Dunham from that HBO show Girls got a $3.7 million advance from her publisher. Really? So listen, if you do have plans to retire, I would be really upset. But after a period of adjustment, I'd be ready to take over the hosting of this radio show. I get it that it would fall on me to assume responsibility if you Hell should decide. No, you can't! to retire and move to Arizona or Florida. Inventor Nikola Tesla wrote his autobiography in 1919. Actor Ernest Borgnine wrote his autobiography in 2009. And, and, and you deserve this. So, so don't feel you have to stay on the air for the sake of others. You need to look out for what's best for Spud yeah, Goodman. Yeah, as I always do. Don't you worry about me. When it's time to leave this business, I will be gone in the blink of an eye. Yeah. People will be saying, where the hell did he go? He was just here. So how much money are they offering you? Offering me? Well, I was just curious as to how much your life story is worth on the free market. It's a true test of the value of your time here on the planet. So how big of an advance did they give you up front? Are, are you sure they're going to get the well, book out to the public? Because I've heard of some publishers not liking the manuscripts of their authors, and then they kill it. Oh, well, no, it's going to get published for yeah. sure, because I just paid 30% of the cost to do it today. Oh, the, you know, the guy got me to sign on this said that I will oh. you know, I'll make my money back Probably the first few weeks, and then it will be an ongoing revenue stream forever. Future Goodmans will continue to receive royalties long after I'm gone. As he said, libraries and bookstores will always have it available, which will keep you know my legacy alive. But yet you paid them? I, I think they call that self-publishing, Spud. My uncle tried it once. He paid for it by getting a second mortgage on his family's house. Now they're living with his wife's parents. Uh, let's just say what? It, it didn't sell well, and all he got out of it was a bunch of boxes of books that are stacked in his basement. Really? What, what he forgot to do was promote it. That's the key move, Spud. Well, 
self-publishing is something the guy mentioned when I was writing the check to mm-hmm. him. He kept saying that to make money, you have to spend money. Well, this does kind of put a different spin on it. You're going to have to really, really, really promote this thing. Just talking about it on the air is not going to get it done. You're going to have to make public appearances all over if you want to sell any books these days. You might even have to think about going door to door. At least in your own neighborhood. No. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll buy some copies No, he, from he you. never said anything about going out in the public to push the book. You know, uh, I don't do that kind of stuff. That would be a deal breaker. Well, you did sign a contract and paid them. So Charlie, I don't, don't surf! I don't think you're going to be able to get out of this. Once money's exchanged, it's a done deal. Well, then I guess it's a good thing I paid with a check because I still haven't gotten the money from my mom, you know, that I'm borrowing to, to cover it. Oh. I, I was hoping that it would, you know, take some big publishing company if a few weeks to you know to cash the damn check. Guess guess I can tell my mom I don't need the money now. Well, maybe someday someone will offer you a book deal and not have you have to pay for it. Well, you know, this whole thing is just messed up. That's a nice way to put it. I just forget about this. Just I'm just gonna forget this. This is way too much work, and there are way too many memories that are probably better left buried in you know deep in the recesses of my mind. Yeah. Especially just stay there. <sighs> All right. Anyway, I'm Spud Goodman. And that's where most everything in my mind has stayed since that episode. You know, by not putting out my autobiography, uh, there's so much information just stacked up there right now. Think, you know, just taking up space that, that could have been cleared out by doing the book. But, you know, I'll be damned if I'm ever going to pay for putting out a book. That's just never going to happen. And, you know, maybe it's best that most of what is buried right now in your memory will remain there. I'm sure it's way too dark for the well-being of the general public. Well, you are right on that, Gerald. No need for any of that stuff to be disseminated to harmless individuals who might have innocently picked up a copy of Spud's autobiography. That's a little... Oh, the cable TV show, the later radio show, and now this podcast is enough for to fill anyone's need of a platform for him to dump all of his emotional baggage stored up over okay, the years. Okay. Yeah, I, I yeah, 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 absolutely, Mrs. Jarvis. There. Yeah. Uh, Aunt Dorothy, uh, I'm I'm sitting right here, okay? That's just sounded hurtful. I mean, your family. Uh, well, it, it is what it is, bud. Just speaking the truth here. Yeah. Dorothy, you're such an honest person. Well, thank you, babe. I'm in in this thing right now, okay, as I've heard enough. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Hey, you know, maybe after you're dead, our local paper will print an obituary about your life. Would would that make you feel better, Spud? Not really. It would probably be just be a couple sentences like Spud Goodman, talk show host, died. No funeral services scheduled. You know, that that's probably going to be it because I know my family members sure won't, you know, spring for the what it costs for a celebration of life. One of those things that, uh, uh, you know, whatever. I'm out of here. Bye. Dorothy, if we took up a collection, we could probably pay for him to be turned into mulch. That's pretty popular now. Maybe put him in your front yard by the big rhododendron bush. It would be a nice final resting place. Oh, I don't know if I would feel comfortable having his remains in the front yard, Chance. Maybe the backyard. We can discuss this later. 
You've been listening to the Spud Goodman Radio Show, a portentous harbinger of what the Internet of Things has in store for us all. The show is written and directed by Spud Goodman, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon. The executive producer is Lori Madsen. Video director is TJ Pites. Our interns are Trent Botello and Anna Howell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Author Charles Dickens published his autobiography in 1847. Showman P.T. Barnum published his autobiography in 1855. Buffalo Bill Cody published his autobiography in 1917. Noah Coward published his autobiography in 1937. Tony Curtis published his autobiography in 2008. Sigmund Freud published his autobiography in 1925. Stan Lee published his autobiography in 2002. Liberace published... Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show Podcast, copyright 2023, Spud Goodman Productions.